Here on the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, I'm your host, Chris Carter. We're going to talk about the Steelers wide receiver situation now that we know that Deontay Johnson most likely will not play for at least a couple weeks. We'll talk about what they need to do, what that means for some of the other guys who have to step up in the coming games for the Pittsburgh Steelers, as well as what's going on at the cornerback position and PFF grades looking at how the Steelers did across the board. Joined by Adam Bittner today, it's the Wednesday edition of the North Shore Drive podcast. Let's get into it. You are now listening to the North Shore Drive Podcast, a show on all things Pittsburgh sports from the writers of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, hosted by Christopher Carter. Hello and welcome to the North Shore Drive Podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. I'm your host, Chris Carter, joined by Adam Bittner, who's so nicely stepped in today. We were supposed to have Ike Taylor. He had to reschedule at the last minute, so uh, we do apologize for that. But we are very excited to have Adam on as he is on here all the time. Uh, Adam, I want to lead off the show today, uh, but before I do... Uh, we do talk about that. I want to remind you, this show is sponsored by Mike's Beer Bar, the best bar in all of Pittsburgh. You can go to Mike's Beer Bar right in the North Shore, right across the street from PNC Park on Federal Street. You can go to Mike's Beer Bar. They have over 20 TVs so that you can see whatever game you want in whatever league you want right there. They even had the Duquesne-West Virginia game on last weekend. That's how specific they can get. You ask for a game, Mike will get it on the TV for you. And they have over 500 available, available beers, 300 of them being local beers, and 80 of those local beers being available on tap, which gives you so many different flight options that you'll never run out of options and they're always bringing in new beers every single week we'll have more on mike's beer bar in a little bit but adam deontay johnson's out and i I think steelers fans are a little mixed on on their responses to that because there's some who feel that he's not that good because he's had drops in the past and because he didn't score a touchdown last year but if you looked at the all 22 of you or you just watched the game that dude was getting open a lot on sunday regardless of how few times he was targeted or what passes were missed he was an asset to the Steelers offense that now without they're going to have to come up with some answers against a team with some really good cornerbacks with the Cleveland Browns. Yeah. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, I'm not sure how good Deontay Johnson is. Is he the one, you know, the number one receiver that the the Steelers need? You know, I don't know, but he's the best that they've got. I think, especially, I think he's the most consistent, um, you know, of those guys. I, I, I understand why people love George Pickens. I love the, um, the potential with him, I, I think, you know, I think he's got a lot more potential than, than Chase Claypool had in that same spot for the Steelers. But, you know, on an every down basis, the veteran savvy that Deontay Johnson brings to the table, I think is is valuable. That's why they signed him to the contract they did last year. Obviously, there was some disappointing elements, not scoring any touchdowns last season. But I think it's a big loss, Chris. I think there's, you know, really only two guys on this roster that have a ton of upside and he's one of them. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see about Calvin Austin here um, if he's got the tools to, to kind of step in. But, um, you know, I think it's a, a substantial loss for this offense. I think that's a guy who Kenny Pickett can trust, um, you know, kind of a security blanket type of guy. And without him, I, I think it's going to be, um, you know, a lot more difficult. I do agree. It's going to be more difficult. It's going to put pressure on these guys. George Pickens, uh, you can tell he's a better route runner, but he's still not a the sharpest route runner that you'd want. Uh, com- you know, he's better than last year, but he's not. He's not where he's not at a complete pace there. But he is taking steps forward. Uh, I think Allen Robinson did show an ability to get open. Uh, he led the Steelers in receiving yards in, in the game, and I think that there's going his, his rapport with Kenny Pickett will be huge. But I think the guy 
that might be getting overlooked a little bit here is Calvin Austin, who when I go back and watch what he was doing as a receiver, just to, just to get open. And when he, when he did get the ball in his hands, he was looking solid out there. He's still small and he's still going to, you know, be a guy that you kind of need to get in space and not let him get jammed up by bigger cornerbacks. But if the Steelers can find ways to, to use his speed on the field, that could be something that does at least add an element to the game. Uh, that they that they don't net, net, no, normally have when he's not out there. Deontay Johnson is quick and he is a great route runner, but he doesn't have blazing speed. George Pickens is a great combat catch guy and has good speed, but doesn't have elite speed. Uh, Allen Robinson in his age, he's he's again another good route runner, more of a slot guy, kind of like Heinz Wardy, or Juju Smith-Schuster, like with the way that he plays. But Calvin Austin is a pure burner who also has gotten sharper in his route running, and I think that he can be an asset to the Steelers. But none of this matters if Kenny Pickett does not see the field better. And we're going to get more on Kenny Pickett in the in the final segment here when we go over PFF grades and compare them to what things were being said. But I think the bottom line is these guys have to have their rapport with their quarterback. And I think they were getting open on Sunday, but Kenny Pickett either wasn't seeing them or wasn't getting the ball to them in the right spots. Heck, there was a play where Deontay Johnson was open five yards in front of in front of the line of scrimmage and with nobody in front of him heading into the end zone, and he was still missed. And it, that, when you miss passes like that, you can't get to the complicated stuff because you can't do the simple stuff. And that's what they need is guys who can help make Kenny Pickett convert the stiff the, the, the simple things yeah I think that's something that's sometimes hard to pick up on at home is are people open downfield or or are is the quarterback just not seeing them you can see it in the stadium Chris you can see it on the all 22 after the game but but during the game sometimes it's it's hard to evaluate who you know if you're at home and you're not seeing the full field who's open who's not so I, I think that is part of the the issue here is that I certainly it was hard for me to translate it just on the television screen. So I, I think it's valuable for people to hear if you weren't there, what was really happening, um, you know, on the field. Yeah, it's, it is, it is one of those tough things there. Um, and, and I think that that's, this, this will be a very interesting thing because the Steelers, when they brought in, when they brought in this, this receiving core into training camp, you know, the Gunnar Olszewski, he'll probably be active in, in this, in this upcoming game, but you know, I, I think that they brought them in thinking, hey, there, there's depth here that you can have an answer for it. Well, now your depth is going to need to answer for it, and you're going to need to see these guys step up. Uh, I think George Pickens, you know, you saw him get a little frustrated on the sidelines uh, in this last game. You saw him, you know, not be able to, uh, you, know, you know, not be able to avoid the dumb penalty at the end of the game. Mike Tomlin kind of talking to him about it and being like, hey, can't have that from you. Um, and uh, now you kind of need him to kind of step up as the playmaker, but I, I still think that Allen Robinson can be the veteran leader of the group on the field, but either way, again, Kenny Pickett, he just has to find a way to connect with these guys. He didn't, he barely did. Uh, you know, he, he, he completed a high percentage of passes against the Niners, but none of uh, you know those, 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 those the numbers that he was completing were not on the key downs or in the big situations where the Steelers had big plays drawn up for him. Um, and they, they either, either fell incomplete or ended up in sacks or were interceptions there. Uh, those are things that have to change before before they play the Cleveland Browns team, who Mike Tomlin praised a lot for their cornerbacks' abilities to stand up to the receivers of the Bengals, and that's Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and that group. So that's a pretty that's a pretty tall task that those corners did. Now they're going up against a receiver room that's missing its best route runner. I think that's going to be uh, that's going to be a big storyline going into Monday night. 
Yeah, absolutely. But to, to your point, you know, I didn't write about this in the PFF grades post I do every week on postgazette.com, but Calvin Austin graded out pretty well. He was yeah. the number two player on the entire offense, 70.5. That's a pretty solid grade. If he puts that up most weeks, he's going to be in that territory where Deontay Johnson was for a lot of last season, um, where he's been for a lot of his career. Deontay Johnson, like guy's going to put up 80, 90 weeks. Um, he does a lot of work in the 70s. So if Calvin Austin can stay in that 65 to 75 range, um, I think the Steelers can kind of kill the clock on this injury, get Deontay Johnson back, um, and then start doing damage to the rest of the schedule. Absolutely. I want to talk about the position for the Steelers that plays opposite of the wide receivers, and that's the cornerbacks, because Joey Porter Jr. Uh, only saw seven snaps in the game. And I want to talk to Adam about what might need to change for the corners uh, moving forward, or if anything is going to change for the corners moving forward after they got uh, they ripped apart by Brandon Ayuk and the 49ers. We'll do that on the other side of this break here on the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Chris Carter, Adam Bittner, breaking things down. But before we do that, I want to remind you, this show is sponsored by Mike's Beer Bar, the best bar in all of Pittsburgh, and the place that you absolutely have to go to if you're on the North Shore. And that's including Monday night when the Steelers take on the Browns. Just go to go to Mike's Beer Bar. It's across the street from PNC Park, right on Federal, Federal Street. You can go there, watch any game on TV. They have over 20 televisions. They have they, co- they cover tons of sports, whether it's football, college football, Pirates, uh, Penguins, Riverhounds, Premier League, any, any sport that you want all year long, they're going to have on their TVs. And the best thing is that you can enjoy every type of beer you can imagine there with 500 different available beers at all times, 300 of those beers being local, and 80 of those local beers being available on tap. And when you go there, you got to try out a flight where you can switch up all your different options and try the large-ranging uh, different styles of beers. And when you do that, you're never running out of favorites because, trust me, I don't, and I'm there all the time. You can also try out their steak on a stone for an awesome meal where you choose how you want your steak cooked with a heated stone right in front of you as you enjoy a night out in Pittsburgh. Come to Mike's Beer Bar and get your sports fix and experience the best bar in Pittsburgh. And tell them Chris sent you. Back here on the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, Chris Carter, Adam Bittner talking Steelers football. Adam, let's get down to um, let's get down to the cornerback play here because the cornerbacks got roasted on a lot of it. Patrick Peterson gave up two touchdowns. Levi Wallace, you know, didn't really make a play at all. And everyone's wondering, where's Joey Porter Jr. when he was on the sideline for seven snaps? Now, Mike Tomlin in his press conference on Tuesday did address that somewhat and say, like, you know, they had packages for him to come in, but it was in situations where they were going to have more corners on the field. And frankly, they never forced the Niners to need to be in those types of formations. And so Joey Porter Jr. just didn't see the field that much. And so what happened was their cornerbacks were out there and the things didn't happen. So now the question comes, well, if those guys couldn't stand up to them, uh, what you know? What you know? What should be done moving forward? Should people be moved around? Patrick Peterson. I felt like Patrick Peterson, even though he did give up two touchdowns, one he slipped on, one was just a really good 50-50 ball that was thrown by uh, Purdy and caught by Ayuk. It was a, a rather remarkable play. Um, I, I felt like he at least challenged guys. Like he had two really good pass breakups. He was in position for most of the game. Levi Wallace was the guy that I was looking at. I was like, whoa, man, he looked lost in the sauce. He didn't look like he was. Like the guy we saw most of last season, and now he's in a position where, uh, where he plays poorly like that again, and and the the, the calls for Joey Porter Jr. are going to get louder 
and louder and louder. And that's why I think that there could be something here. Adam, do you think there's a there's a timetable out here for Joey Porter Jr. to get a bulk of the snaps? Or are we still are we still kind of a, a ways off from that? You know, I, I would think that they want to get his feet a little bit wetter first before they say, hey, we're going to throw him in, in there as the number two. I mean, if they were that confident in him, I think they would have switched him out for for Levi Wallace in, in a couple of those situations, um, you know, last week. And the fact that they didn't, you know, suggest to me that he's, he's still a little ways off from that. But the data largely backed up, you know, what you kind of observed, Chris, which was that Patrick Peterson was not horrific. He, he made some mistakes. Um, he kind of had a middling grade. Levi Wallace got shredded by PFF. Um, I think his grade was like 33. It was the worst on the entire defense. And you know where I think that really showed up, um, Chris, anecdotally, was it seemed like they were losing a ton on second down. Um, you know, they, They'd maybe force an incompletion on first down. They'd you know, give up one or two yards on the ground. But they were ahead of the sticks defensively. And you know, before you could even get to a third down situation, here comes Christian McCaffrey for like seven yards and, and setting up these, these easy third and shorts. Um, I, I thought – anecdotally that seemed like what was happening especially a lot in the first half when when they were falling apart and and I think that's um you know that's reflective of Levi Wallace and and some of those corners not winning in situations where they were theoretically set up a little bit better so um you know just a difficult day if he keeps stringing together performances like that you know I expect Joey Porter will be threatening him soon um you know but but we'll see if he can bounce back he he certainly was kind of an inconsistent player last season, which means sometimes you're going to get some highs and sometimes you're going to get some lows, especially against a team that has as many weapons as San Francisco did. Mike Tomlin brought up, he was like part of the reason, you know, but when asking about Joey Porter Jr. and his lack of uses, also part of it plays into is that he missed some of the preseason. He missed a preseason game. He missed a, a couple of weeks of practice due to an injury and that kind of impacted things and what he was able to develop and learn for the Steelers. So I get that. But at some point, you do want to see the guy you drafted with the first pick of the second round, um, you know, making plays out there. I'm sure Steelers fans are looking over and seeing Brian Branch get a pick six for the Detroit Lions against uh, Patrick Mahomes and thinking like uh, that that's what their guy is that they picked in the second round. What about the guy that was picked by the Steelers? And, you know, I think it's reasonable to say, hey, you know, there's different lines for everything. You know, Joey Porter Jr. needs needing to grow and his injury and training camp did change the pace of things. But this is a cornerback room that the Steelers, I think, felt confident in despite losing Cameron Sutton, who was very good for them last year. And now they're in a position where Patrick Peterson, you know, went on his podcast that he was going to intercept Brock Purdy. It didn't happen. And that kind of put a target on his back. Um, and got him talked about a little bit. You got Levi Wallace, who was the veteran that you kept around, didn't perform well, and then everyone's looking at Joey Porter Jr., but even behind him, now you, you've added Desmond King that you, you, had, you didn't see him. I do wonder if the addition of Desmond King, if he's now that he'll be active, most likely that he's had a, a full week to at least practice with the Steelers um, since they've signed him. I do wonder what that does for how they use their cornerbacks, because you imagine he's going to line up in the slot more, which means maybe Patrick Peterson is fine on the outside and what that means for how they use guys. I also wonder when I looked at this, Mika Fitzpatrick actually lined up eight times as the outside corner for the Steelers in this past game. He lined up more times away from being a free safety than he lined up at free safety in this past game. And part of that, I think, was to try to compensate for different parts of the defense, trying to get him in different places to win. But I, I think I wonder if all of this is to try to cover up maybe what the Steelers see as some deficiencies in their cornerback room right now that we kind of saw get exposed in this in this Sunday matchup. 
Yeah, and I mean, I think that's the motivation behind bringing a guy like Desmond King as King in as you add to the options you know that you have available. I think there's just a general cautiousness with these draft picks. I mean, we're going to talk about Broderick Jones and Dan Moore in a, in a, in a more in a second, and you know, I think the same lessons apply here. Of the Steelers were expecting these guys, Dan Moore Jr., Levi Wallace, um, to be able to do their jobs to a competent level. Um, and maybe they're not going to have the upside that Joey Porter and Broderick Jones are going to have maybe by the end of this year, certainly hopefully by year two. Um, but they didn't think that they would be as bad as they were on Sunday. And as long as that's the case, you're going to have to try some different things like moving Minka Fitzpatrick around, bringing in Desmond King at the last minute, um, you know, and, and ultimately that's still in that bad because I think every we've seen in the data every time you move Minka Fitzpatrick around, he's just not the same player. Um, you know, traditionally it's been when they try to move him up and run defense, um, you know, his grades go down because you take a special player doing special things and have him doing ordinary things. Right. And, and so um, the faster they can get away f- from that, the better. And, and at a certain point, no matter what, Levi Wallace just has to be better. Um, he's just got to be a better player. And that doesn't mean he has to be a star, but he's got to do the things, um, you know, on a relatively consistent basis that they need him to do, or none of this is going to work. I, I agree. They, they, they need him to step up. Again, he wasn't a bad cornerback last year. He's actually a good one. He had four interceptions. He was a, he was reliable. He wasn't be, he wasn't consistently picked on last year. There were some games that, you know, cer- certainly teams got the best better of him, but I think that by and large, he was one of the guys that limited big plays against him. And then Sunday, he turned into one of the guys the big plays are being made against, even in the run game. I mean, the, the Christian McCaffrey run that went broke for 60 plus yards and a touchdown. It started with Levi Wallace missing in the hole, taking a bad angle and then having a bad approach and trying to tackle McCaffrey in the hole. Um, and that allowed him to kind of break to the sideline. And then it became a, a you know, a race uh, down the sideline and races with Christian McCaffrey. You don't often beat him in. So uh, I think that part of it is positioning being better. And again, all this comes back to the Steelers need to play the style of football that they, that they, that they've desired to play. They need to actually execute. I, again, I go back and I look at this game. There were several things they could have done that would have made this at least a better result. If not just, if not a win, at least making this more, a more competitive football game. And these aren't, crazy things these are very reasonable things these are things that they if they do uh on both sides of the ball understanding how to attack different different offensive fronts understanding you know when to throw the ball to the right guys in the right coverages things that Kenny Pickett did at the end of last year and did all throughout training camp and preseason weren't being done in this game and it makes me wonder you know how much of this game is something that will linger on or if this was a one-off and the Steelers just need to get back into a groove moving forward. But we'll look across the board and who needs to get back into a groove as we go over Adam Adam's talking about the PFF grades and how they saw the Pittsburgh Steelers all here on the Wednesday edition of the North Shore Drive podcast. Chris Carter, Adam Bittner breaking things down. But first, I want to remind you, this show is brought to you by Game Time. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. That's why Game Time is the app that's here for you to give you a fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you with killer deals and last minute tickets they have the best price guarantee that can't be beat so you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun that you're about to have the game time app allows you to book tickets even up to the last minute if you didn't plan out far out in advance that's where they give you exclusive flash deals for anything that comes to Steelers games pirates games penguins games basketball games concerts comedy theater 
anything near you game time most likely it's going to have a ticket that you that you can get in and the best price guarantee from game time means that if you find tickets for the same event in the same section and row for less somewhere else game time will credit you 110 percent of the difference snag the tickets without the stress with game time download the game time app create an account and use code pitt pit for 20 dollars off your first purchase or go to the website gametime.co terms and conditions apply create an account and redeem code pitt pit for 20 dollars off download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed Back here on the North Shore Drive podcast for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, Chris Carter, Adam Bittner talking Steelers. Adam, uh, you always write about the PFF grades uh, and how and how they look at the Pittsburgh Steelers in, in uh, you know, at week at week by week. What were some of the biggest takeaways you had from what PFF was at least saying about the Steelers? I feel like I should preface this, Chris, before I dig into it with, you know, it's not gospel. It's one, you know, person's observations of the game. I like that there are data points and that it's it's not just all anecdotal. And, oh, man, I saw that guy get picked on in that one play. So that meant he – I think Patrick Peterson, like we were talking about in the last segment, is a good example of a guy who definitely got picked on but definitely played well in a lot of other snaps and had a decent grade. Um, so, you know, take everything with a grain of salt. It's not gospel. Uh, I'm not trying to argue it's gospel, but, um, you know, it is interesting data points to, to kind of bring up, especially I like to use these to, you know, contrast with the public narrative a little bit, because sometimes everyone starts piling on one person and sometimes that's justified and sometimes it's not. Um, but anyway, with that, with that disclaimer out of the way, um, the, the thing that stuck out to me, the thing that I led with is that Kenny Pickett's grade was not, I, I think, commensurate with where, you know, people thought he played on Sunday. I think it's largely a function of he threw the ball 43 times. Um, he started getting completions late in the game. You mentioned, you know, in the previous segment, he had a decent completion percentage. His adjusted completion percentage on PFF was like 72%. And that's, you know, pretty stinking good. Um, you know, the problem was he wasn't making the plays that he needed to, to keep the Steelers in the game in that first half. And and the, the throws that mattered, he was not making, he was not seeing his receivers and, and so that's why I think the, the grade settled out about 55. It was better than a lot of guys last week, better than Josh Allen, better than Joe Burrow, better than Bryce that's Young. funny thing, right? <laughs> right. So the thing is, if you watch that you know Browns game, Joe Burrow never started making the plays that, that Kenny Pickett did. That's why Kenny Pickett's grade was a little bit better, even though neither, neither was a winning effort. Um, the thing I was pleasantly surprised by was the grades for the defensive linemen, Keanu Benton, um, Larry Ogunjobi, uh, those guys all scored pretty well in the absence of Cam Hayward. They all were getting, you know, decent pressure. I, I think that's a good sign as you look toward, you know, are, are they going to be able to navigate this injury the same way they did, you know, TJ Watt getting hurt last year where it felt like there was a huge drop off in, in production and, and that that affected the bottom line a lot. Maybe, maybe the Steelers have built enough depth here. It's only one game, but I think it was, it was pretty encouraging that they got some pretty solid scores. Um, the headline, you know, this was actually the third bullet point I wrote about, but that ended up in the headline was that Dan Moore Jr. was the worst tackle in the NFL last week, allowed a league high nine pressures of Kenny Pickett. Um, you and I were talking off air here a little bit um, about how, you know, the offensive line as a whole played pretty decently, but um, PFF hated what Dan Moore Jr. did the other day. Um, and, and certainly is strongly implying that, that a change might need to be made there sooner or later. Because I think the narrative, Chris, has been, um, you know, that, that 
Broderick Jones was was going to come in after the Steelers got through this this murderer's row of pass rushers here at the beginning of the schedule. Nick Bosa, Miles um, Garrett, Max Crosby, and that maybe they'd throw him in a little bit after that and that Dan Moore Jr. with his veteran presence could deal with those guys a little bit more easily. That's really not you know what the data said on Sunday. Um, so I'll be curious to see how they handle that moving forward. I'll I'll be curious too. I think that there's a lot of things they they could do moving forward. I, I partly partially wonder this, and I do agree. Dan Moore Jr. was atrocious in the game. When I look back, you know, I wasn't able to focus on him specifically a whole lot in the game because everything else was going on. But when I looked back, I was like, man, yeah, he looked off here, he looked off there, and he did, we did not see the same poised Dan Moore Jr. that we saw throughout training camp and in the preseason when he was going up against guys. But um, but I will say this, you know, I I looked at that and it, I mean, I maybe wondered if. Part of it was, you know, they focused on him just getting ready to face Nick Bosa all all time. And to be truthful, the Steelers did a great job neutralizing Nick Bosa. He was like a non-factor. I think he caused one holding play the entire game. He had one tackle, never got to the quarterback. Um, And, you know, if if you had told me that that was the case heading into that game, I would have said that that was a good deal. But I think what the problem was was that they didn't account for everything else the Niners were doing up front. And that's where Dan Moore Jr. was making the most mistakes, not not seeing his insides, inside shoulder, not doing setting up well and his drop step against against edge rushers. And that, that allowed that that led to a lot of different problems out there. And I think the big question then everyone as, as you know, is kind of incited with uh, with the PFF grade is when is it Broderick Jones's time? When is he going to get a chance? We've seen Darnell Washington. He got a, he was the only person that got, they got like a fair amount of snaps as far as the rookies. And uh, in, in doing so, he still wasn't targeted. And I think that's also a problem because he was actually open a few times throughout the game. But uh, but Broderick Jones was the first round draft pick that you traded up to get at left tackle. And, you know, he's sitting on the bench. And listen, I get it. You know, in the preseason, there were things I'm like, OK, he needs to clean this up. He needs to clean this up. But you see a lot of really good things. That are working that that are working in his favor as far as his athleticism and what he brings to the table, but he has to be he has to be able to be ready with the small things. And Dan Moore Jr. at least leading up to the season looked like he was ready to do those little things, whether it was you know hand technique, foot technique, understanding communication and what responsibility you have against different fronts, those type of things. Dan Moore Jr. on his side because hey, he started two whole f- full seasons in the NFL. But if he can't do those little things, then that's the one thing that that's on his side that puts him over Broderick Jones. At that point, you might be sitting there saying, you know what, just put in Broderick Jones because at least he'll learn and grow as the rookie that you want him to and get the experience that you need so that he can grow faster into the NFL and be and adapt to what's needed. Then the other question is now Mike Tomlin did dismiss this as far as. Uh, it being a long-term injury, Chakuma Korfor is in the concussion protocol. Now, Mike Tomlin did kind of indicate they kind of expect him to be back later in the week. He'll probably miss the first couple practices of, of the week. But uh, if if he's not ready to go, Dan Moore Jr. has to move to right tackle. And I thought he looked just as bad. He looked even worse at right tackle than he did at left. Uh, and so that could be part of the challenge here is, is trying to find a home for these guys and seeing who settles in at their positions. Yeah, it's just it's just the the cautiousness remains interesting to me, Chris. Given that you mentioned Dan Moore Jr. was had came in with much less pedigree than Broderick Jones did, they were in a, a winner go home season with with Ben Roethlisberger. That they were putting it all on the line, and they were comfortable running him out at tackle. I, granted, did they have better options? I don't know, but he was thrown right into the fire. And here we have a guy they traded up to get, and and you're playing cautious with him. Um, you know, I, I'm not saying I think it's wrong. I just think it's it's interesting that that's how things are unfolding 
um, and not just at that position. It, it just seems like they are very they're being very deliberate with these guys and and trying to avoid situations where they might fail in ways that I don't know that they were worried about in the past. And and I just wonder, you know, what has changed philosophically there because that's that's kind of the observation that I've I've had so far. I think it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out and what we what we learn from what the Steelers are going to do throughout the week. We'll see what they do in practice. We've got our team, Jerry Dulac, Brian Backer, Ray Fittipaldo at practice all week long. And, and this is a little bit longer of a week, uh, not the normal pace of things because it's Monday night football. So the Steelers get an extra day. So uh, Wednesday is going to kind of be like a different kind of a day. Thursday is going to be a different kind of a day. I think Saturday is going to be the normal walkthrough type of day that they usually put together but we'll see how all that plays out here uh for the pittsburgh post gazette read all of their work at post-gazette.com check out the all the episodes of the north shore drive podcast monday wednesday and friday here on your favorite podcasting apps and on youtube and reminder we always have daily content that comes out from the pittsburgh post gazette covering all things sports here on your favorite podcasting apps and on youtube from chris carter and adam bittner thanks so much for tuning into the north shore drive podcast back friday here for our episode getting you ready for the weekend Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. If you watch this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our channel. For three months of digital access to post-gazette.com at 99 cents, click the link below in the description.